Hey Scripties, it's just Lexi dropping in from the future here. We are so excited to share this beautiful interview with Iman Qureshi with you. She talks so eloquently about her play and work and it was truly a privilege to have this conversation. Meg and I are feeling very lucky right now. I just wanted to flag to you that we do discuss the play's opening about preparing the burial of a child in the interview. And we do that from 28 minutes, 20 seconds to 30 minutes, 45 seconds, in case anyone does not want to hear that topic discussed. Also, I know that we mentioned it in the play app, but once again, I really want to recommend that you check out Iman's blog, which is a great insight into her and her writing and keeps you up to date on what she's got going on work-wise. It's a fab read. I'm now following up for dates and I think you should too. Follow at imankureshi.com. And now, on with the show. Episode where two friends and theatre directors delve into plays and talk text. I'm Lexi. And I'm Meg. Oh, we swapped that around. I know, I know. We, you can tell I'm stuck. There, there was a time in the, the first three seasons I had that written down on a on my computer so I could read it word for word. And I've got so lackadaisical with it come series four. I'm like, I, I know this by now. I've said this like 40 odd times. Clearly, it's I don't. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's a vignette episode. I can mix it up. No one's going to know. This is the format for vignettes. I love it. Love I'm, just it. Gonna, I'm just gonna keep saying vignette, but we're here. Vignette, vignette, vignette. It's a special episode. It's a special episode because we are going to interview playwright Iman Qureshi, who wrote the funeral director, which was the play we talked about in episode four. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go back this instance, listen to that episode, and then come back and listen to this great conversation. I'm sure we're about to have. Mm, I absolutely love it when we do playwright um, interviews, and I think this is going to be a cracker. So as a reminder about Iman, she is an award-winning writer for stage, screen and radio. Her stage plays include the Ministry of Lesbian Affairs at Soho Theatre this year, the Funeral Director, which premiered at Suffolk Playhouse, followed by a UK tour and won the Papatango Prize, and Speed in the Carly Theatre in 2013. Iman is currently under commission from the Bush Theatre, English Touring Theatre, the Royal Court, where she is the recipient of the Claire McIntyre Bursary, and the Almeida Theatre, where she is part of the inaugural Genesis programme. She's currently on attachment of the National Theatre and also has several TV projects in development with STV, BBC, NBC, all the all the seasoned initials. <laughs> Universal, Witchwood, Joy Productions, and a first look deal with Paramount Global. Ooh. Fancy stuff. How lucky that we get to talk to her. I know. So I think we should just dive in, Meg, without any further ado. Welcome, Iman, and let's get this show on the road. Absolutely. Iman, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's exciting. It is exciting, and especially to have, again, you can't see... Well, you can see now if you watch on the YouTube, but Iman is wearing some amazing autumnal knitwear I'm obsessed with. So I'm going to jump straight in and I just want to know about background. How did you get into writing? Oh, I think I've always written. I grew up in Saudi Arabia, which is like a cultural desert. Um, <laughs> there was like one TV channel in English. Um, and so I just read a lot. And then mm. I wrote a lot of stories and things when I was when I was young. 
and yeah I think I've always written and then it's like I want to be a novelist and then realize that requires a lot of patience and <laughs> plays are a lot shorter um yes. and yeah that's kind of how it happened but I just yeah I've always read a lot and I like stories thing. And is it true, was The Funeral Director your first full-length play? It was my second full-length second, play, but the yeah. first one was like, yeah, a, a sort of point point five. I don't know. It's it, it, I'm very proud of it for what it was and when it was, but The Funeral Director feels like my first play in many ways. Mm. And not a bad legacy to have then. First play goes out and wins the Papa Tango. Not my first play, but yeah. <laughs> not your oh, first play. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Not really my first play, but it, yeah. The second play to second go out. Play. Second, it's my second full length play, yes. Out of, yeah, that's a 50% success rate on your work on winning the Papa Tango. I think that's pretty good up to the point. Yeah, maybe if I write another play, I'll win another prize. Keep oh, up that success rate. <laughs> um, so, speaking of the funeral director in particular, then why did you want to tell this story? What was it that inspired you to write about Aisha and all the other characters? I think I wanted to. I'm always really interested in what makes people change their mind about something, mm. um, and um, I have found that at the time maybe a lot of theatre felt preaching to the converted or like uh, or I found myself yeah sitting sitting in a theatre not really being challenged and not really having to sort of move my move or realign my world views or anything and with the funeral director I was really interested in what it would take for someone from a Muslim background to come into that theatre and watch that show and leave with a greater empathy for a queer Muslim person. Yeah, so, and, and so that was always on the back of my mind. And so I was kind of, in many ways, writing to my parents um, because, you know, they're wonderful now and they've, they're they so accepting and they couldn't be more brilliant um, and supportive and, like, you know, loving of my partner and like celebrating about our relationship and everything like that. But at the time, things were tough um, and mm. it's been a journey to get there. Um, and yeah, I, w- I wanted to tell the story um, that that played some part in that change and that in that journey um, for not just them, but for a lot of Muslims who might sort of start off from a homophobic standpoint. I was saying on the episode um, when we discussed the play, one of the things I found really moving about it was the foundations and support you had on tour who were going around and um, I've written them down. Oh, yeah, the Matt and Naz Foundation. That's it, yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought the, the, the community engagement and this feels, feels like one of those plays which really does have the ability to change lives and I feel it's quite rare you can say that about theatre in itself occasion you know if you can go and watch plays and it can affect you but to actually change lives on the basis that's a incredible legacy to to write I don't know whether it changes lives <laughs> um but it, it, I hope it might do um for some small people you know in some small way I guess what I really wanted was for no one to come into that theatre and feel shouted at or feel that their views mm. were st- that I thought their views were stupid or to ridicule them. I really wanted to go, I really understand where you're coming from. And mm. also 
it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and do that with as much love and compassion as possible because like I don't know, the theatre is like this public space for us all to come together and that, you know, in the last two years we should know that that's such a precious gift to have. Um, and if people feel like they're not welcome in that space or excluded from that space, like I think we failed. Um, so, yeah. We've spoken, we've spoken in the episode, and I know that you might have touched on this yourself, about how the play is unique in so many ways. You know, it tells the story of um, a Muslim gay person. It's t- from a female perspective as well, which I love, by the way. Um, but I think the nichest thing for me is that it's set in a funeral parlour. And you are obsessed yeah. with the funeral partners <laughs> now. Like, I just think, I honestly don't think I've ever read a play or a book about a funeral parlour. So I just wondered... Do you have any connection to that? Do you have family in that business? Yeah. So or many how people did you have do asked research? me that. Yeah. So actually, what I would say is there are very, very, very few Muslim funeral directors that exist as a business. Funerals right. are something that are conducted by the Muslim community as volunteers. So, oh, for example, amazing. when my grandmother died wow. in Pakistan, which she died, she died in Pakistan, the local, like my mother did the the, the, the washing with a lot of local women and they come oh, okay. together and they you wash your own family and, and prepare them for burial. And that's all done at home. Um, and over here that some small businesses have sprung up and, and they do provide that service, but often it's done by volunteers. Um, and, and yeah, and, and women wash uh, women's bodies and men wash men's bodies, unless, um, if you are husband and wife, you can wash mm. each other's bodies, um, or, or, or like mother and son. Or I, I think there there yeah. are certain relationships which are where it's allowed for you to kind. Of, so it is a very community thing. So it's something I think I have like a first hand. Like I was there when my grandmother was washed. I was there when my grand mm. my grandfather. You know. So I think it's something that I, most Muslims will have some kind of close contact with. Whereas I don't think in more Western cultures. You do. You can't. The body's taken yeah. away, and then you see it in a coffin. If you do see it, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's it's a very visceral kind of relationship with death that um, some communities have. So that, that and 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 also, you know, the funeral home, like the metaphor of like burial and and concealment, um, and like what is a it, you know what is there a life worth living if you know if you're if it's in the closet like you might as well be dead and and that kind of thing which it just felt really poignant um as a location I didn't pick up on that that's very clever no. <laughs> not clever enough clearly no it's, it's no it's me don't worry <laughs> I what you say there about obviously talking about the community and how involved everyone is in in the in that um burying process and sort of supportive nature and talking about Aisha as a character here one of the questions I was kind of mulling over was Aisha married Zaid after her mother died and her dad's not in the picture so I wondered if she was feeling that pressure from that community um or what uh, drove that decision to marry him uh, if there was an opportunity there for her to strike out essentially when she had no ties of anyone to live up to it's a really good question and I I don't I, I wrote the play so long ago and I last I don't think I've read it since <laughs> and and I last Tell watched it and maybe I watched it on tour in 2019 so it's, it's been a while um so <laughs> if that's the order in which things happened I'll believe you um, <laughs> 
But what I can say is that um, growing up, you know, I really believed that I had to keep my queerness a secret. It was something that I had to I had to take to the grave with me, and and I just would have to marry a man and live a heterosexual life, and I would never be able to tell anyone. And I think the power of that shame, like is a real chokehold and I think can make you do it can make you forget about everything else um and it becomes stronger than anything else um and also it's it was a different time like you know gay marriage was only legal in this country in 2010 2011 something like that wow. it's so recent you know and and yeah so I've seen a whole lot of, you know I moved to this country when I was 16 in 2003 um you know section 28 had only just been abolished in schools um there was nothing <laughs> related to any kind of lgbt education in my school and you know like i, I mean i remember even to the, like i remember reading emily dickinson <laughs> in school and like yeah. seeing the queerness in it and and like you know, plucking up the courage to ask my English teacher. I was like, I think she was in love with her sister-in-law. I think this is a relationship they were in, some kind of relationship. And my English teacher was like, no, that's rubbish. And basically poo-pooed it. And it's yeah. not true. It's not, and now you can find all this queer theory about it. And, I, you know, there's just so much shame and so much like, okay, I have to live this very narrow path. And even when the people that you think hold you to that path are gone, that still exists mm. for you. And so I think that's what Aisha was doing. And it takes a lot to, to leave. It really takes a lot to leave it mm. from lived yeah. experience. <laughs> I said at the end of our episode as well, how I adore that you didn't make this play about the relationship between Aisha and Janie and how it seemed like the, the play was about Aisha's own discovery and own kind of way through what she was dealing with and how Janie was obviously helped her with that and but it wasn't I'm gonna leave Zaid for Janie so but I did wonder if the play was longer or if there was a sequel would they end up together or not I, I, um, think, I don't know if I'd want them to such a romantic I, I am a romantic and I really wanted to like give the lesbians a happy ending because you just yeah, don't see that often. of course that's what I mean and and, I, and and it was the sort of you know the sticking point with myself mm. um, the director and the producers and, okay. and I was like I want them to be together and the, and the producers <laughs> like they absolutely cannot be together and the director was like let's find a sort of midway <laughs> <laughs> I feel um, like I feel like they do end up together but like in years because I yeah. feel like <laughs> I, I do I just quite strongly feel like this story isn't about their relationship yeah and, and I think that's the right instinct yeah yeah oh well I'm gonna pretend they end up together anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the tea at the end you can read everything into the fact she brings her a cup of tea in the last scene <laughs> I was saying, yeah, tea is tea is a very British thing. I mean, if hallmarks of Britishness, everything is all right with tea. And I love the fact that you see the two 
the first and last time you see Janie, she's got tea at the hospital, and then she's got tea when Aisha's p- pulling up. It's a also a very up. Asian thing. Like my family just drink a thousand cups of tea a day. <laughs> yes, you, tea is universal. Tea is apart great. from in Amer- apart from America, where they they can't. No offense, America. And in Europe, I know Europe, Europe don't like tea either. No, I can't make it. I worked for two months in America, and the tea was shoddy. No offense again, American scripters. I'm sure you've gone better. You get, um, you get Lipton yellow label, and that's it. Oh, <laughs> oh you haven't lived until you've had PG tips. Um, um, American scripters, Yorkshire tea, Lexi. Yeah, yes, I know you live in Leeds and <laughs> rep. Are we going into this debate because Yorkshire tea is the only no. answer? Iman I, gone. I have PG tips in my cupboard, I'm afraid. Sorry. <laughs> Bye. And for years, for years, so my parents, I moved over, but my parents still live in Pakistan. And for years, my mum couldn't get PG tips out there. So she made me bring back boxes of PG tips. <laughs> Amazing. Generally speaking, what are the stories you're most interested in telling and how has that kind of evolved since um, since the funeral director? Um well, I guess the most recent play was Ministry of Lesbian Affairs, which, yes, and I, I think, you know, that feels very present for me, I guess. Like, I, I still, yeah, a funeral director scene feels like my my past and ministry feels mm. very present. Um, and so I'm, I'm really proud of that. And that was, I don't know, a play with so much heart and community and warmth and lightness funeral director I think was had a had a heaviness to it and and a, and a weight and ministry has a, has serious elements but um just I think the gesture if it was very about community and togetherness and celebrating each other and and the kind of we need to stick together as a queer community um and then yeah I, I'm I'm really interested in telling really universal stories and really popular stories and you know using them as a sort of trojan horse for minority characters like i really want you know i I think some playwrights are maybe less keen on i don't know like commercial shows or like big i I don't know sort of popular type music musicals and things like that and i love like my dream my dream would be to write musicals um, well you've just written your first draft or you submitted your first draft i may have been on the blog today i have <laughs> yes that's exciting uh, yeah. Come, are we allowed a, a little what's it vague yes i think about? i can talk about it because i've talked about it on another podcast which was done by the almeida and they said i could talk about it so yes i will talk about yeah. it it is a um it's also dark actually but a musical so that sounds fun that's mm. fun like. um but it, songs is good. it is have you read a novel called home fire no but i've heard of it it won the women's prize for fiction a couple of years ago and that's it's why. itself an adaptation of antigone but it takes the story of antigone and sort of sets it in modern day britain well sort of 2015 2016 britain that's um, our next episode <laughs> We're doing Antigone. 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 Yeah, by Roy Williams. Yeah, next is going. Is it the Inuit Adams Antigone or is it just the Antigone? No, Roy Williams. Oh, right. Cool. Yeah, set in, um, is it like London? It's like a gang scene, isn't it? Really? I think it's, 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 yeah, it's 
undisclosed gangster feed. It feels like London dialect. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted Well, I won't read it, I'll listen to your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Which I have been listening to a lot. And it's funny, I know your voices so well, it's now like quite weird to be like, oh, that's what you look like. And that's what it looks like. Cool. Um, Sorry, we got, we we, we we sidetracked you horribly there. Sorry. sorry. Uh, Yeah, so Antigone is, uh, or Home Fire rather, sets the story of Antigone in modern day, Britain, where um, Antigone is sort of a Muslim character and her twin brother has gone off to join ISIS and her her and her sister are sort of left behind to pick up the pieces. Um, and there is a Muslim home secretary who um, revokes her brother's nationality and, spoiler alert, he dies abroad and they won't let him come home to bury him. Um, and so, and, and and so, it kind of is about that, but it's it looks at like the story of the women and like their relationships with their with each other, with their brother, with their faith, with their country, and then also what is really beautiful is you see how their brother is groomed essentially um, by an older man, and I, and and I think that for me was like the really moving thing about it is like I think we. Like, you know, if a teenage girl is groomed for sex by an older man, you're like, oh, she's a victim. But often these young teenagers are groomed and taken to ISIS, but they're seen as perpetrators. And it's like, well, mm. I don't, uh, you know, I don't know how I think, I don't know how I feel about that. They're they're victims of grooming, essentially. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful book and I really hope I do justice to it. Um, but I've oh, loved gosh. writing it. That sounds sure amazing. Yeah, I'm. I'm already. I'm thinking. My lord, where do you where do you put a song in there? <laughs> <laughs> this will be a musical without jazz hands. I'm guessing. <laughs> no, I definitely want the jazz hands. <laughs> From musicals to TV. So, <laughs> um, when we did our kind of research on you, um, we in a non-stalker way, yeah, like in a non-stalker way, <laughs> in a research yeah. episode prep way, and <laughs> um, we learnt that you're having some of your work adapted for television. And I just wondered what was the most exciting thing about that, and Ooh. like how it's different. And it's so different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So it's a very long process. <laughs> it's much longer than theatre, and there are a hundred people above you. You not only have to like say yes but they have they give you notes at every stage um and so the ownership of the piece is very not yours in the way that it is in theater i think in theater like the writer is but is like the is the creator of the work at least until it gets into the hands of director and then you you run to rehearsals i would say and then there's a sort of baton passing that you do which which i love doing in theater but until then it's yours and you might have a dramaturg come in and sort of help you brainstorm things and things like that, but it feels very yours. Whereas in TV, you get minuscule notes about minuscule things. Um, and then, you know, you do another draft and then they change their mind and you get another round of minuscule notes about minuscule things. And it can be quite grueling and quite exhausting. Um, but the what is really fun is that it's much more visual medium as a writer, particularly as a stage writer. I don't really think in terms of what I'm seeing on stage. I'm, I'm a very like oral oral writer. I, I hear the voices much more than I see things. And that's why it's great to work with like a really visual director 
Um, but with TV, I kind of have to do that. I kind of have to tell the story visually. So that's been a good learning process. Um, and then also the like exciting thing is the possibility of such huge audiences watching. Yeah. And so many people being introduced to your work as well, which would be super exciting. Yeah. Um, and, and like with theatre, it's, I mean, and this is the beauty of theatre. It's why I love it. I love theatre way more than TV, by the way. <laughs> but like theatre is there for a moment and that moment is precious and then it's gone. But mm-hmm. when you've worked so hard on something and you get it on stage, it's there for a month or five weeks or whatever. And and then it's gone and kind of your, all you have is your memories, which is which can be quite sad. Um, so it's it's nice to work on something that feels like it ha- might have a, a a life beyond. Oh, I cannot wait to watch that. I know how exciting. Turning back to the funeral director just a little bit, you're gonna settle another debate for us. We've had the tea debates. <laughs> okay, I won. Just saying. Whatever. Um, so he, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't make the rules, Meg. I'm just saying. So here's the question we were having when we were talking about it, and um, we both had different opinions. Do you think that Zayd knew about Aisha? Oh, so um, I listened to the the podcast you did on funeral director as my like research ah. for you, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I loved that debate. That was really interesting. I, I mean, I think it can go either way. Um, what I would say is that I think there's whether he doesn't, whether he knows or doesn't know at the beginning, it becomes increasingly difficult for him to deceive himself as the play goes on and so in in at the beginning when he's really nice to Tom and Aisha's like no we can't help you get out um Zayd is like what are you doing whereas I think it's Aisha's like Mm. really scared of confronting her own kind of um queer feelings um but Zayd is a bit like what's your problem I don't get it and then slowly as as he starts to realize and 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 the more radical he becomes against because because he he changes a lot yeah. through the through the play and his sort of descent i think runs in parallel with his kind of dawning realization that she um isn't quite into him in the way that he'd like mm. um does that help mm. yeah settle, <laughs> settle the debate it's definitely a it's a it's a show where you have two such huge for actors you know juicy roles very mm. particular in, in Aisha and Zed to go on massive character journeys and start in one place and they end in such different places. It's really must be something incredibly satisfying about getting to work through that as an actor. I imagine in this play. Yeah, and it was lovely to write that you know the sort of breakdown of this marriage, which does have a lot of love, but. Um, it doesn't work and I and, and I was really keen to show that like you know I I think at least in my communities there's a sense that like oh if you're gay like hide it and just like marry marry someone of the opposite sex and it'll be okay and you'll be fine you know whatever but actually you're doing so much damage to both parties like no one's happy like Zaid has been deeply harmed by this as well um, and I kind of just wanted to show yeah how much harm it does that final conversation though where she the first time she says we'll be all right love and she calls him love and it's like the first time in the whole play when she's finally i was like oh that was that must be so yeah affecting just this she's got this huge platonic love for him doesn't she and yeah i think seeing that is yeah 
Yeah. And like, you know, he washed her mother. Like, yeah. And so he was like a son, and, and that isn't typically done. Um, so that, you know, that he was like mm. a son to the mother. And like, you know, he's very, he's very close to the family. And I think, yeah, she, lo- she loves him so much. And I oh, think yeah. she would do anything she could to be different, really. And I really wanted to show that, like, this is a woman who doesn't want to be the way she is, but she is. Oh. It's sad. <laughs> it is heartbreaking. Good. 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 I'm glad. <laughs> as place should be. <laughs> um, so as we're in a somber moment. Um, so the play opens um with the death of a baby. And I kind of just wondered what your th- thoughts behind this were. We kind of had some theories, but it'd be nice to understand more why you chose to go with the death of a baby rather than the death of a, a grandparent or yeah yeah I mean I, th- I thought the conversation you had about trigger warnings was really interesting and actually when I wrote it I think I was quite naive and I didn't realize how upsetting that might be for people um and since a lot of my friends have had babies and some of them have lost their babies and and it's like a dawning thing of like oh my god that's I, I, I didn't realise just how I think upsetting that had the potential to be um, at the time. Um, so that, that, that it was really interesting to hear you kind of really acknowledge how, yeah, um, much that might need a trigger warning. Um, and then looking back when I wrote that scene, I think I was really interested in, I guess it's a really like, heteronormative thing isn't it to have a baby and to, to live that yeah, world yeah. and and it's the sort of done thing it's the expected thing and Aisha is someone who's like always done what's expected of her um and so it was them contemplating this baby and going do we want one in a really bleak way and like yeah opening up a conversation about their future yeah and and, and I think the symbolic thing of like not all women need to need to have babies to yeah, be exactly. and and like you know yeah I think there was something in it about going this isn't your average couple um mm. just the way it's done with such kind of um not it's not emotionless it's kind of business thinking I think kind of that's what struck me about it was like I wouldn't say it was an emotionless conversation, but I think just the way that it just it's how they make their living. Yeah. And I and I think it's a way to like throw you immediately into that world, isn't it? Yeah. Like, as an audience yeah. for like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I'm here. <laughs> like this is there's not no what hiding I'm from it. Yeah. <laughs> because I think if we're coming to a a gentle end here, what would you love the future for the funeral director to be? Because that's the beauty of plays. They they live on in many ways. They can be restaged, adapted. And what would be your kind of hopes for for it going forward, if there are any? I would love it to tour. I, th- I mean, beyond the UK, I would. I mean, I would love it to go to America. You know, I, it could, because it's a play about this. You know, debate of like between freedom of religion and freedom of sexuality. And there's so many countries where that's relevant still. I think. And um, yeah, I, I, I would love to see it tour in different countries and I mean it would be amazing to see it in Pakistan but I don't think that will happen anytime soon but um but yeah America I think some places particularly 
I, I don't know, there's rising Islamophobia across Europe and I would love to see it on in places like France or Germany um, or Italy where things like that do happen and, or Austria, you know, I, I would love, um, yeah. And, and as far as I'm aware, like work across Europe tends to be really white. Um, yeah. I would love to, I, I would love to see it all, but who knows? Well, pro- no, producers who listen, because I know you're out there, <laughs> you've heard it here, international tour soon. And soon, and just work your way across the globe. There's 192 countries. That's amazing wow. general knowledge. Very good, my pub quiz buddy. I, I, it sounded vaguely <laughs> confident, didn't it? I feel it's in that region. I but yeah, there's loads. <laughs> Let's start an international tour because it deserves to be seen by so many people. And I think it really does. I'm not hyperboleing, that's a verb, when I say I do believe it is a play which has the ability to really spark conversations and change lives, hopefully. Yeah, so thanks. thank you so much for writing it. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for doing it on the show. It's really honoured. Honoured. Thank you so much, Iman, for joining us today. And yeah, everyone, go and get your copies. You already heard us. It's published by Nick Herm Books. Go get your copy of The Funeral Director now, if you haven't already, and then go and clamour your local producer friends to get the international <laughs> tour ball rolling. Nice. I loved that. That was such a lovely interview. And you should be a great guest, just from a blog. I knew it. And she drinks PG tips, so she is superior to all. Mm. Meg, we cannot book <laughs> guests based on their tea preferences. I'm not going to ask that as we go forward in the, in the initial approach emails. P.S. What tea do you drink? I feel like it's fine because we interviewed Rebecca Gadsby, and this she's is true. Queen this is true. She's practically tea, sponsored so. by them. We may have evened it out. Uh, so thank you, Scripties, for joining us on this little mid-season interval interview. There, try saying that four times. Ooh, mid-season interval, interval. No, I did it wrong. I did it wrong. You did it wrong. There you go. See, it's not that easy. There you go. Tongue twisters galore. If we give you all the fun shit here, I get script in hand. Um, but it's back to our regularly scheduled um, play discussions next week. And we are back with Meg, Vanya and Sonia and Masha and Spike by Christopher Durang. It's comedy, <laughs> but it's also Chekhov. So, you know, it's bleak and funny and all... Oh, it's, it's, I'm very excited. It's got David Hyde Pierce in the original cast dressed as a dwarf from Snow White on the front cover. What more do you need from a play? It's one of your favourites, isn't it? It's, I'm a big yeah. fan of it. I don't know if it's... Yeah, I'm a big, big fan of uh, this one. Um, and partial, I think it has got like, a rocking cover image. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited to delve back into into it. And you know what? I'm a big fan of Chekhov, so this could be a comedy Meg enjoys. Oh, oh, oh I'm going to hold you to that. Big statement. Oh, I'm gonna... <laughs> let's see, let's see if, if, it, if it plays out. This could be this could be the mashup I've wanted. <laughs> oh God! That's oh, worse. You looked so delighted when you said that. You are you are tickled pink right now by your own little pun. Well I done. I am. I am. <laughs> well played. Oh, beautiful. Well, on that note, scripties, do the usual stuff. Join our Patreon because 
if you were on our Patreon, you would have got this two weeks ago. Yeah. Just saying our Patreon listeners have had this lovely episode for two weeks. Just saying. Um, but, so join our Patreon. Buy some merch. Follow our socials. Leave us a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts because it helps other people find us. And if they're theatery, we'd like them to find us and stuff because we like theatre folks. And <laughs> anyone, anyone, come join the Script in Hand Circus. We'll give you a balloon i don't know i don't know i can't promise balloons we can't um, afford balloons I'm, I'm rambling let's leave this here so join us back next week for vanya and sonia and masher and spike um have a wonderful week and we'll see you soon